0: All right, so once again, everyone, welcome to The Purple Paradigm. Robin's going to bless us with our mission statement on why we thought it was important to do an episode dedicated to the intersection of how Prince viewed sexuality and spirituality. Robin?
1: Okay. All righty. So I'm going to share my screen. Give me one moment. Share screen. Um, Basic. And here we go. Can you guys see the full thing or is the pole blocking it? Can you see it? You're good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, let's get ready to rock. Hello and welcome to the Purple Paradigm. As you know, my name is Robin Jumez and I'm here to present to you our mission statement for episode four entitled, Come, A New Spiritual Revolution, Prince as Sexuality and Spirituality. So there have been many articles written and much discussion about Prince, sex, and religion. But we felt it was important to have an open dialogue about these topics, and why does this matter? This matters because it is a complex aspect of who Prince was. His ideas on sex and spirit and how they are weaved together through most of his music challenges what many of us were taught from a very young age, and it deserves reflection and dissection. During the mission statement for our last episode, I mentioned that I went to Catholic school as a child. My family isn't Catholic, but I went to the school because my parents were convinced that with my shy, socially awkward personality and demure body frame, I was sure to get beat up and bullied every day in a public school. Also, my family overall is pretty religious, so it all kind of fit together. Standing up in class to recite the Lord's Prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance started our day each morning at school. This same prayer, lengthened slightly at my Baptist church, was also recited every Sunday. In 1981, when I was about 11 years old, I became intrigued, scandalized, and ultimately amused by a song I began hearing on the radio. In it, the singer recites the Lord's Prayer. My mother, on the other hand, was not so amused. The fact that he also chants, people call me rude, I wish we all were nude, over and over again, helped to incite her disdain for the song even more. But I, on the other hand, loved it. So Prince was still this fuzzy entity in my mind until about this point. It didn't connect for me that he was a sweet, innocent looking, I want to be your lover singer until a few years later when I officially became a Prince fan. But I was fascinated by a guy who would dare put a prayer in a song where he also wants everyone to get naked. As I got to know more about Prince and his music in the coming years, two major themes emerged and it became extremely obvious that those themes were what Prince wanted to talk about most. Sex and God. Growing up in a fairly religious family, I related to Prince's messages about God and Christ. But since I was also entering my teenage years, I wanted to hear everything he wanted to tell me about sex. I fully expected my first experiences to be exactly how he he described them in songs like When Two Are In Love and Adore. Wow, it's so good it could make angels cry? Damn. And his descriptions in songs like The B-Side, Girl, A Sea of Electricity? What? Sign me up. I fully expected to move on to the the Lady Cab Driver and Let's Return We're Married type experiences once I got the hang of it, although that never really came to pass. Nevertheless, I did find it curious that no matter how far he went in the matters of the flesh-speak, he also remained fervent in his faith. Some albums had the sexiest songs right alongside his most devotional, in the eyes of many that made him blasphemous. Even I wondered sometimes, why, how? I learned in Catholic school and church that unless you were married and making a baby, sex would send you straight to hellfire. How is it possible that Prince was so comfortable merging the two? when no one else on earth did. In an interview with Toure, Alan Leeds said, for Prince, the love of God and sexual urges we feel are one and the same somehow. God planted those urges, and it's never wrong to feel that way. The urge itself is a holy urge. So why is all of this important? Because what if Prince was onto something? See, as I've gotten older, I've started to feel that the fear, shame, loathing, and conflict around sexuality is perhaps rooted more in patriarchy than in true spirituality. I do believe that Prince was sent here as a messenger of sorts, and maybe this is one of his most important lessons. To teach us that we shouldn't close ourselves off to this complexly beautiful aspect of human experience to find God, but to search for God within it.
2: Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Robin. You're welcome, dear. <laughs> that was an, that was an awesome, awesome introduction. You mean you, you got me thinking about when did it become obvious that Prince was the intersector of sex and spirit? And I guess that's my first question for audiences. Where you know we we, we pride ourselves here at the Purple Paradigm about being interactive and uh, connected to one another, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my my first, my first time recognizing that Prince merged those two was Love Sexy, the concert, uh, going to Love Sexy, uh, it was October 2nd, 1988 in Madison Square Garden, right, and I remember going with my mom, and her commentary afterwards was, you know, he was, that was an amazing show, but I'm, I'm, my mom was raised Catholic, uh, to your experience, Robin. <laughs> and she was like, that was a great show, but I'm not really sure about all this mixing of sex and God. And I was just like, that's the way to do it. I was 13, you know, <laughs> I was just like totally open and totally like em- enrolled in the whole experience. So audience, um, you know, what when, when did you realize that, the distinctions between the two. I I remember at that point, I I was 13 years old going to my, that was my, Love Sexy was my first Prince concert. And just having that like, oh, you mean there's a separation of the two and thinking about ways in which that moment actually influenced how I viewed sex and how I viewed the intertwining of the two. Because there are times up into this very moment in my life as a 45 year old where I don't really separate the two. Right, there is there is this, there's a creativity and an energy and a connectedness that gets to happen between the bridging of sexuality and spirituality. And I do think back to that, you know, my innocence at 13, watching it as a normal. So um, uh, Melina, you're sharing, you're 14 years old when you had that aha moment. Melina, if you wanna come on for like a second and just share that with us, you're free to unmute.
3: Alina, no, nope. no. I can say something. Um, Please. I was thirteen when I first discovered Prince, but that was when his first, um, not first, "I Wanna Be Your Lover" came out, and I don't ever remember articulating it the way you did, because I, well, I I was raised by a mother, like I grew up in the seventies, my mother was an activist and we were just, you know, very different from my grandparents and my Southern, very Southern Baptist family. So I was never, well, no, I was, let me stop lying. I was torn between living in a house where sex was considered natural and having grandparents and cousins, aunts and uncles who believed the exact opposite. So I was always conflicted and being told I was a devil or whatever in so many ways. <laughs> so I think the time that I was able to articulate it myself, it was never a discussion. I was just like, he sees sex as religion. And I never had a problem with that. Like he, that was his religion. Like he didn't see any, to me, he didn't see anything wrong with it. So kind of, I was very curious as to how he was, able to go from one worldview to Jehovah's Witness where he all of a sudden just stopped everything. Like, okay, is that, was that inauthentic? Was that just for how, you know, Hollywood? That's what, question you know, brought me questions.
0: Thank you, Zenzi.
1: Yeah, I would say I was a little I hate to say the word disappointed, but I guess I was a little bit disappointed. I was too. Turned off. Like, but Prince, this is what you've been saying since I was 14 years old. So I can't just shift gears now. And to be honest, my favorite version of Prince is crazy, dirty Prince. I'm sorry. (laughs) I like the mix of the two. You
0: had a hard time with the maturing musicology Prince.
1: I love the music
0: but I wanted some curse words and some dirty.
3: T- yeah, I agree. I was the same because to me, it felt more authentic. Yes. And once he, you know, once he switched over, I remember like when he started speaking about switching over because he was on a talk show with Larry Graham. And I think Larry Graham was the one who converted him. And I'm respectful of anybody's religious spirituality, but that did not feel natural to me. I was very disappointed. And also I felt like, okay, he was never telling anybody that this is what they should think. You know, he was never telling anybody to be any more sexual than they are. And then all of a sudden, he's telling everybody and preaching to everybody not to do this. I paid for <laughs> the 1999 pay-per-view concert where all he did was stand there and preach, and I was beyond pissed. I'm like, I paid twenty dollars for this. Like, this is not. I didn't go to church for this, and I don't go to church, so. I'm with you, Robin. It just doesn't, it didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. know people that are super, super spiritual, super religious, you know, have very sad beliefs, but you can tell when it's real because it comes from within. Mm-hmm.
0: So the paradigm is we're about, so it. we're <laughs> about having these conversations in the post Prince world. So I do remember those moments of going through it in real time and being like, what is this? What happened to him? But now that we we can sit back and we can look at the whole picture right we actually like that's a gift of you know him you know n- not being here with us in many ways but it's it's also we get to see him as a holistic piece of work right and i i could appreciate that time now more than necessarily when i was going and growing through yeah. that time sort of like emancipation i remember being very miserable during the time of emancipation like <laughs> what is this and then but now appreciating it Because I get it, right? But when we were going through it as fans, it just felt very jarring and disconnected. Um, I want to just highlight uh, P-Dub's comment in the chat around missing the religious pieces and only noticing the sexual side. Uh, P-Dub, you want to say anything else about that uh, to the group?
1: Oh. Um, they say they can't because they're
0: working. Oh, they're working, oh. Well, I appreciate you, you know, cheating on work with us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get that too, right? The idea that, you know, and I, I think that also falls into the, in like the normalcy of where, how you hear prints sometimes. I, I know for me, I didn't always differentiate. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that could have been spiritual. And, or sometimes over-interpreting and making something seem more than, you know, oh, that's sexual. Like cream, for example, I had made cream a very sexual song, until I realized it was about a self affirm. It was a self affirming song, but for me, uh, it was like I. It's both. Think, I, I thought cream was extremely sexual, but it's then I both. when I heard him talk about writing it while looking in the mirror, I was like, oh, he's he's bigging himself up. He's it's, it's an affirmation. That's part Meanwhile, of it. Meanwhile, I had it completely
3: in a whole sexual
0: connotation. That's part of
3: his genius, though, because to me, it made sense. Like, first of all, I love that song. Second of all, you know, my nerdy self has always been like a, a lyrics, liner notes reader. And I love reading lyrics. And so I always like any question, you know, I, from way back in the day, Cream to me was like, okay, he's playing with words here and everybody expects him to be dirty on this song. It has nothing to do with it. You know, just like any other song. Now he does get super dirty on some songs, but to me, this was just like a double entendre.
4: I want to say that um, I always thought, and I'll I'll get to talk more in a little bit. So, but. Um, no, please join in. Yeah. So uh, for me, I actually had like the total opposite experience. I was in middle school, which I'll talk about when um, I first heard Dirty Mind. And we were so like. Confused. We really loved Prince, but we felt so guilty, like some of you talked about, because of our, you know, sort of the religious stuff that was around us growing up in Detroit. But once he sort of came forward with it, I was sort of relieved. I was like, okay, see, I knew he was always both of these things. And because everyone thought of him as just sexual, I was always pushing people the other way to be like, yes, he's sexual, but let me let you listen to the latter. Let me let you listen to God. Let me let you listen to these other things. So I was trying to say to people, he's not just what you see in pop music. He is all of these other things. Um, and I used to I remember I used to play um, the ladder for people uh, and uh, or the cross actually was the one I remember playing the cross for people who thought they hated Prince and I'd be like I wouldn't say anything about Prince and I would just play it and then I would say okay tell me who you do what do you think about the song and they were like yeah that's deep that's really I was like what do you who do you think made it tell me who you think this song is by, and they'd be like I don't know. I've never heard this before. And I was like, it's somebody, you know, they're like, no, it's not play it again. And I'd play it and they still wouldn't know who it was. And then when I would tell them, they would just flip like what, this doesn't sound like him. That's not who I think he is. So for me, it was always the reverse. Like I always felt like, oh, yay. Now I can show people this other side of who he is.
1: Well, you know, to add to that, like I always did that too like trying to convince my family like he is not this like like i mean especially my mom (laughs) i would try to play songs like that and she would just be like no even just no with him (laughs) um because of course i would play something like the cross but then in my bedroom i had the poster from controversy and shower and and the love sexy poster from the cover so she was like i'm not no no, this is not for me. This is
0: not for me. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying this. I'm not <laughs> buying it. I mean, it, it really was a uh, it, it really was a heavy divide to ride, right? And I think, you know, parents, of course. I mean, Prince was that guy who your mother was like, please don't bring him home,
4: <laughs> right? Like, like not my was, mother. Not my mother. You know,
0: your mother <laughs> wants you to bring her like, home. Go get
4: him. <laughs> go get him. <laughs> hilarious where he at do you know my mother
0: was like okay we're gonna keep we're gonna keep prince on a stage we're not gonna bring prince you know we're not gonna bring you know, my mother is from trinidad so she was like we're not doing that in here i don't understand what i boy always have his underwear on and always pantsing around i don't understand that so my mother was not trying to she appreciated him. And like, I remember one time not buying her, I remember Robin, when I, when I didn't buy her act one tickets, mm-hmm. So I waited online for act one tickets and I bought two shows and she's like, okay, what night am I going? And I'm like, I, I didn't buy your ticket. And she got really offended. I never made that mistake again. So she did appreciate him. And as a performer, I went to as many Johnny Mathis concerts as she went to Prince concerts. Um, and I think that there was always that, she was very committed to keeping Prince on a stage. <laughs> and not making him a reality in my world. Um, but I. But aside from that, I do think the 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 brilliance of Prince and the attraction, and I think why, why we're doing this particular episode is I think that's like one of his unique features as an artist was that he did successfully interweave these two topics that I think I don't know I don't know of another artist who has successfully rode. Um, that divide. So we began the show with the, the game of Prince Card Revoke, which is one of our games we'll be playing because of the, part of our interaction. And Robin's gonna give you the um results for it. And we're gonna get into uh hearing from our, our special guest. Um and oh you want to share the results now. Okay. So oh, let's do this.
1: Oh I wasn't sure. Oh okay can what, okay, we
0: can do it we can share the results before we get into before we get into our guests. Um so which song contains the lyrics? Nothing mystical let me lick your kitty clean. And after that, you can put me on your back. Look for candy in my purple psychedelic pimp sack. Wrong. That's what I'm saying. He's like, Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss on steroids. And the correct answer is, this could be us. Now, so, I that one in there, I have to
1: say, because I was like very pleased when I discovered that little bit of uh, information in that song, because this was 2014. And I was like, wow, he's going all the way
0: there. It's kind and of he, that was also very exciting about it cuz he he went in cycles, right? He didn't just he didn't just keep going down one road. Yeah, he did like towards the end he was kind of coming back towards uh, Zen Z's way <laughs> <laughs> making her happy. All right, so if yeah. you got that correct, you've got your prince card. The answer is this could be us. Right? The in 11- which one of these songs did prince talk about bondage, tying someone up or being tied up? A Thousand Hugs and Kisses, Sexy MF, Pheromone. The correct answer is all of the above. Woohoo. So you have your <laughs> Prince card in hand if you knew that it was happening in all three songs because it did. Uh, come, which is like one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> the song Come is about. Robin, so as the teacher in me, I have to just say that this is a main idea question. And um, (laughs) a new spiritual evolution, I gotta give it up to those 24% who said that because that is the first thing he says in the song. However, the last answer of cunnilingus, it's mostly about cunnilingus, is truly the main idea. But this is a trick question and this would not pass on a state test. Just saying, (laughs) because if somebody said a new spirit, the 24% of people who said that, I, I think we should give them the credit for this. Okay, fine. Thank you. That, that is, you know, and just as my own personal story about, about, about cum, uh, many of you know, have heard me talk about Rachel, my cousin. She's that cousin who introduced me to Prince's world. And Robin and her were schooling me at my like 17, 18 year old self about this. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? I've never heard of such a thing. And they were like, nah, that's like the most amazing thing ever. You never had a guy do that. I'm like, hell no, I'm 17, I'm 18. What the hell are you talking about? I don't do those type of things. And then Prince comes out with "Come," And I was just like, okay, who am I going to get to do this? Because this, this sounds amazing. And like literally, like we had the conversation like on a Wednesday and like a week later, Prince releases "Come," And I was like, okay, I guess Prince knew. He was always on time. He was just that kind of guy. And yes, we've known each other for a really long time. We have known each other for a very long time. A very long time, but like that, that come is a come. I think is uh, definitely worthy of some lyrical analysis and why <laughs> why women love Prince, who uh, who appreciate this side of him. I think that the the promise. I think about. Um, I have a cousin of mine who had come to one of our parties, and he was like, "What?" he saw all the. This is, is post Prince being on with us physically here and he was like what is it with women and why do they like prince and i and i said to him it's the promise of sexual fulfillment and i think that as a man when you're able to express yourself in such a way women are just drawn in and come you know all jokes aside being about cunnilingus again i've never heard another artist sing about that with such passion, dedication, and furthermore commitment (laughs) um, uh, than Prince. And I think that that is something that people just really, that really just resonate with um, people. So next one was about, which song contains the line, all my fingertips, all my fingers, I'll I'll let you get into crosses in my head. (laughs) <laughs> um, which song contains the line all my fingers in the pool go splash we must yes temptation which comes after the latter
1: exactly <laughs> On around that's the world in a day
0: um yes yeah, so temptation is the answer to that Are uh, robbie you want to <laughs> take the next one
1: uh sure okay i put this one in here because just because i thought it was hilarious uh what phrase is missing from this classic lyric, I only do it for a worthy cause, virginity or menopause. I've been with Prince from both of those. Uh, you'll have an A, instant heart attack when I do the rest. I can't really talk very loud. Jack lap you off. <laughs> you
0: know, I remember reading about Michael Jackson being very confused about that latter lyric. He's like, what does he mean by jack you off? It's like, oh dear Michael, you're still beating it, right? So. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Michael talking about that bum bum bump, right? Michael was like, "What does he mean by uh, Michael Jackson like questioning Prince about jack you off?" That's that's classic conversation right there. Um,
1: Where did you hear that? I've never heard that before. Um, it
0: was. I, I will find. I will find the source of that. So that is a uh, poll one for instant uh, for our Prince card revoked. Uh, I hope you. Uh, so if you you know if you got all of them right, you got your Prince card you know i'll give you two or more wrong i'm i'm i might be snatching that back you know but there's always opportunities through the purple paradigm
3: to uh get your card back in my defense oh. um and this is a sad admission but i'll admit it because uh-huh. dr mari was correct i loved him in the beginning listened to him eat drank and slept him i didn't even Want to listen to his later stuff because I didn't want to be disappointed. You miss Art of but,
5: Official
0: but, Age? But,
3: but, 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 after I listen to him, I'm like, oh my God, I love all of it. Like, I don't know. So, yes.
0: I mean, I, it, it, it's, yeah. I think that I think the most, one of the most exciting gifts that Prince left left us is this whole completion. We got to go, you know, Robin and I are talking about, I'll talk about the next episode later on. But Art of Official Age is one of those pieces that comes up and, you know, A thousand hugs and kisses. Is, is something that I was just like, oh, OK, he's 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 not he's not completely gone uh, just yet. Um, so, Robin, do you want to go into our guest and we can enter we can do in between we can do our majority rules polls in between there? How's that sound?
1: Uh, sure. So first, we're going to have Erica, if she's ready to do her presentation, I will read your bio again since we got cut off the first time. Um, Erica Thompson is an award-winning reporter at the Columbus Dispatch in Ohio. She has also been published in Billboard.com, Mike.com, and Huffpost.com. She is currently writing a book on Prince's spiritual journey and the spiritual themes in his music. She's going to be presenting You Don't Think God is Sexy? Prince's Shifting Perspectives on Spirituality and Sexuality. So take it away. Um, do you need to share, you need to share your screen at all? I can make it quick.
2: i'm just gonna read from my notes okay awesome welcome erica thank you hi everybody um thank you robin and dr maury for inviting me to participate um it's also great to be participating alongside dorica who's a fabulous print scholar um i've seen multiple presentations of hers and they're always terrific so um i seriously I started seriously writing on this subject when I was at Ohio University. I got my master's in journalism from there, and I did my thesis on Prince's spiritual journey. And I have spent the past 10 years <laughs> turning that thesis into a book. Um, so it uh, it's about 400 pages right now. It's probably going to be 200 more um, before it's done, because this topic is just so extensive <laughs> with Prince. Um, So the goal of my book is really to demonstrate that he always had a mission to make others aware of God's existence. And you can't really talk about that without talking about the complex relationship between uh, sexuality and spirituality. And it was always changing. And I think you can track the changes through his career. And so that's what I try to do. And I do that by analyzing his music and um, bringing in biblical studies as well as black theology and other scholarship And I've interviewed over 40 people. And some of the interviews that have been really meaningful to me are with members of His Childhood Church his publicist Howard Bloom in the 80s, Jill Jones, Brown Mark, his bodyguard Harlan Austin, his spiritual muse Ingrid Chavez, spiritual mentor Larry Graham, uh, his manager Ruth Arzati in the later years, and then Adrian Crutchfield, his sax player in the later years as well. And you can see all of those interviews at a purple day in which is my blog. So I want to start off with a quote, which is kind of infuriating, but (laughs) I think it's important. So this is from the New York Times when uh, Sign of the Times came out in 1987. Um, And the writer said, Prince has found more varieties of desire. He's developed an urge to make big social and mystical statements, which usually come out confused. Prince is no deep thinker. And unfortunately, a lot of criticism is this way about prints throughout the 80s and the 90s, um, most of it written by white writers and so I and a lot of other black scholars I feel like we are like trying to reshape these narratives um, that have been set up around prints that are incorrect. Um, So that's, you know, I feel really passionate about doing that because, you know, they would would talk about him as a musical genius, but when it came to his lyrics, they would just dismiss them. And he knew that too. And he would comment on that. And I think if you really just listen to his music, you'll see how brilliant he can be lyrically. And it's not like everything he's written is brilliant. And there's some maturity there, right? So like when he's talking about sex as a teenager, or when he's in his early 20s, it's much different um, as he gets older. And so I will briefly, very briefly, go over the different ways that Prince presented the relationship between spirituality and sexuality. Um, I think with his first few albums, we see a spiritual philosophy that is based around sexual freedom. And some examples of that are in Uptown and Party Up and sexuality. And in my interview with Howard Bloom, he said something that I thought um, was really Really profound. And again, he was the publicist for Prince in the 80s and he kind of sat down with him, talked about his life story, to set, you know, talked about the themes that they were going to present to the media in interviews. But Howard Bloom said, Prince genuinely believed that sex has the power of salvation and that sexual freedom is the equivalent of the cross and that the ability to do anything sexually that you want, the ability to even recognize what you want sexually, that all of that is as liberating as the crucifixion. Not only can it liberate individuals, but it can liberate a society and stop war. And I think you can really see that in some of his songs. Uh, But by the time you get to the mid 80s, it shifts, and he begins to express this tension between spirituality and sexuality. And I just kind of want to set up what was going on around him? So his father was a major presence in his life at that point. You know, they've had an up and down relationship. They've been in and out of each other's lives. But by the mid '80s, you know, he's writing music with his father. His father is right there. His father is very religious, and it's funny because like some people I interview would say, "Oh, his father wasn't religious," but then others would say, "No, he's very religious." So I was happy when Prince's memoir came out and Prince confirmed that his father was a very religious man. So you have that influence in his life. You have band members around him who are religious. You have Gail Chapman, one of his early band members. Des Dickerson becomes a born-again Christian while he's working with him. Brown Mark is studying to be a witness, um, Jehovah's Witness, when he's working with him. Harlan Austin is a Jehovah's Witness. His hairdresser, Earl Jones, is a Jehovah's Witness. And even his bodyguard, Big Chick, has his own spiritual transformation at that time, and then you have pastors and priests who are condemning him, and <laughs> the media, and he's maturing himself, and he's developing his own uh, relationship with his spirituality himself. So all of this is going around, going on, and you see him making um, more blatantly religious songs like "God" and "I Would Die for You," which is coded but still very religious. And then you you see a backlash, like he starts to kind of repent. Uh, openly for the sexual songs that he he does. So that's how you get Darling Nikki. And at the end, the message about the Lord coming soon, that's how you get temptation. Like you mentioned that comes right after the latter. So he has to repent and have that conversation with God at the end. And then he's doing these onstage monologues during the Purple Rain tour where he's talking to God and he's talking to the audience about good and evil and love and lust. So then by the late 80s, when you get to Love Sexy, he shelves the Black album, he has a spiritual epiphany. So he he's kind of in a place where, OK, we can still talk about sex, but we're going to talk about sex and talk about love and we're going to talk about monogamy and we're going to talk about commitment. And that's a very Christian way of thinking. And he was really expressing his Christian roots in songs like Anesthesia. But you can really see that like, okay, sex within a com- committed relationship in songs like When Two Are In Love. And this actually continues in th- into the 1990s, which is not kind of always apparent. So a song like Sex EMF, I mean, you think, okay, but this is a song about sex, but Prince actually says this ain't about sex. And if you really listen to the lyrics, it's about commitment. And he even told a journalist, "Sexy MF is about marriage. And even like his most obscure projects in the 90s have this message. Like this week I was listening to uh, Maite's album, uh, Child of the Sun that Prince wrote and produced. And so on one of like the most um, sexual songs, Mo Better, at the very end, she says, only give your body to whom you love in Spanish. So that message is always there. One of the most intriguing messages in Prince's Music to me is when he talks about spiritual ecstasy being just as fulfilling as sexual ecstasy. And he often describes spirituality in very sexual terms. And I think um, one of the best examples of this is on Love Sexy. And, you know, you just kind of think it's a song about sex, but I you, I would listen to it and I would say, no, he's talking about God. And I felt like I had this confirmed when I read an interview that he did in 96, where he said, and this is where I got the title of my presentation. You don't think God is sexy. When you have faith, serotonin starts pumping in your brain. It's the same as when you have an orgasm. And he talks about this in Graffiti Bridge. One of my favorite quotes to mention is when Ingrid Chavez says, still forever searching for the spiritual substitute for sex. And again, you see this message on songs like Come, which we were talking about earlier. Um, On my blog, I did a piece about three interpretations of Come. So of course you have the sexual interpretation, but he's also talking about spiritual transformation. And he's also talking about freedom too um, on that song. And he also talks about this in the song, The Max, which I really like. I don't think a lot of people like that song, <laughs> but I like it. Um, and he says, you know, you'll come again and again and again. And he says, like, anytime time he says that, of course, you think about the sexual meaning, but he's also talking about reincarnation. So it's really interesting how he uses, you know, sexual, sexual terms to talk about spirituality and um of course he talks about sex as a spiritual experience um meaning that the act can bring one closer to god and i think that's most apparent on songs like a door and i think you know prince really recognized that faith and sex are kind of coming from the same source um that's why he can like write a song that's really sexual and then like a few years later he'll like revamp it and now it's a spiritual song or during um the Sign of the Times tour when he's performing Forever in Your Life, he starts integrating lyrics from It. Um, So that's really interesting. And during the 90s, uh, before he became a Jehovah's Witness, you don't see that same need to repent as you did in the 80s. And it seemed like he started to understand that he could use his sexual music um, for greater purposes. So there was a really telling quote that he said, to a journalist sex is the door opener and the way I think about that is like okay I'm going to bring the audience in with my sexual songs that they love but then I'm going to teach them about spirituality I'm going to try to save their soul um and then also it seems like he was using sex for other messages like female empowerment um, on songs like Pea Control. And I just wanna say, I do not think Prince is a feminist. I kind of reject that notion, <laughs> but he does have songs where he's trying to get that empowerment message across. Um, and then of course he becomes a Jehovah's Witness, it becomes more strict, um, but I, you know, to, to the conversation earlier and, you know, to people I talk to, it's kind of like, Prince didn't do anything he didn't want to do. And I think sometimes, like, we can, like, blame Larry Graham or, you know, talk about people who had influence over him. But, like, everybody I talked to was like, no, he was serious. This is what he wanted to do. Um, So I think, I don't know, we can talk more about if that was natural or not. Uh, But again, he was always evolving. And so before he passed away, as we talked about earlier, it seemed like he was going to another place. Um, So on one hand, he would talk about celibacy and chastity, um, but on on the other hand, he would have those sexual songs creeping in, like we talked about. This could be us, and then also songs like "When She Comes." Um, So I think it's kind of interesting to think through what he was doing there, and that's kind of something I'm writing about now in my book as I finish it. Um, But finally. I just want to close by saying um, Prince was an expansion of, of so many different things like when you think about blackness he kind of expanded the way we think of what it means to be black and I think that's the same for spirituality he expands what we think of as spiritual he expands what we think of as a Christian like what a Christian is and then he also expands what we think about sexuality so thank you for listening
0: Thank you, Erica. That was dynamic. So let's love, love on Erica in the chat. Yes. Yeah. The questions that you have for Erica, let's light up the chat right now. Erica, that was brilliant.
1: I, I cannot wait to read this book. Okay, I have a question. Are I we, wanted we, to we, ask. We, the I know. I know we're supposed to let, open it for the for the for the participants. Well, exactly. I have a question. I just want yeah. to ask. Like, do you, and I've thought about this. Like, I have heard that he kind of started to move away from the Jehovah's Witnesses and. I sort of started to feel like things like third eye girl, like that is not something that they would be having him embrace. Like I started to feel like there were signs that he was moving away from it. And I also feel like that's why those more sexual lyrics are starting to creep back in. I just wanted to know your opinion on that.
2: Yeah, I think it depends on who you talk to, but I really like that we have Prince, commenting on this a little bit in his Rolling Stone article, I think it was 2014, where he says anything I believe back then, I believe now it's just expanded. Um, So the way I look at it is he there were still things in the Jehovah's Witness faith that he held on to. But he was also pulling like from Eastern spirituality, some of those things that he was expressing before in the 90s were coming back. And it was like he began to to feel like he can incorporate it all, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of the way that I look at it.
1: So, Maury, do you have any uh,
0: questions from our chat? Um, so, are we okay? So, we're gonna go in second. I do have a lot of questions, but I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear derica and I wanted to bring them together because these two powerhouses get to have a conversation together. You're on mute, Robin. Well,
1: I was thinking like. They would each do their presentation, and then we could have like a group powwow, but however they feel comfortable. But like Dorica, if you have anything you want to
4: add to that or contribute, please. Yeah, no, I'm fine with just going ahead with the presentation and then taking all the questions at once. All right, so let's I
0: let's, let's Dorica with her with her with her with her bio, and hear from her perspective, and then we're gonna bring these two pieces together. But please put your comments from Erica's powerful. Uh, Presentation into the chat, and then we're going to bring it all together into uh, one uh, great conversation around spirituality, sexuality, and prints. Okay. So, Dereka Blackman partnered with Dr. Adam Banks in the development and teach a course uh, to teach a course on contemporary Black rhetorics of prints in the program in writing and rhetoric at Stanford University. So, I'm reading from the chat here, one second, where she served as an assistant vice provost. For the Purple Rain Conference in Manchester, England, she presented "Beyond Definition." Sorry, one second. Beyond definition. We the, don't have to read that. <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. Like I'm like here with the. It's in the chat. Thanks, Robin, for putting that. So, Darica Blackman uh, partnered with Dr. Adam Banks in the development and teaching on the contemporary black rhetoric. of prince in the program in writing and rhetoric at Stanford University, where she served as assistant. Oh, my goodness, this thing is scrolling so fast. Um, she's a Vice Provost for the Purple Ring Conference in Manchester, England. She presented Beyond Definition, the Black, Black Liberation Theology of Prince. And for Bat Dance 30 at ATL at Spelman College, she presented To Become One, Prince and the Integration of Self. She is the CEO of Inclusion Design and a nationally respected speaker. Give me one second.
4: You really don't have to read this whole thing. I
0: know. I'm so I sorry. Promise.
4: it's really okay. You read all the parts. Yes, this that we is read like read. <laughs> is
0: it, it, what, what it is is that it's going so it's it's like skipping through it. Crying that loud. I'm sorry, Dorica. You deserve better than this. I'm gonna I'm, really I'm gonna serve okay. you right, sis. One
5: second.
4: No, this is all on me. I I heard the old bio and I was like, no, no, no they sent you the wrong one, then I put it in the chat. We'll just be transparent. It's all good, you don't have to yeah. read all the back. I'll I got
0: go, it, oh, she you is know, a CEO, I... oh, no, no, I got you, I got you, we got this. She's okay. a CEO of Inclusion Design one. Group and a nationally respected speaker, facilitator, and consultant with 25 years of experience co- uh, creating uncommon, uncommon conversations about race, class, gender, sexuality, and socioeconomic status. Welcome, Dorica Blackman. Mm-hmm.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you all being so generous and patient with all that bio stuff. You know, if you if you do this work, you hate having people read your bio. You're just like, ooh, no, I do not want to sit here and, and listen to all of that, but I appreciate it. And I really want to thank Erica for just being so amazing and all the amazing tidbits that you give me. Like, it's hard to even talk after you because I'm like, ooh, I forgot about that. Ooh, I want a copy of that whole presentation. So I'm so glad you all are recording this. Thank you to both of you for doing this show. Um, it's so needed. It's always good to be in community, and I have to shout out D'Angela, who's here, who has created all of the amazing conferences and communities and platforms for me to even consider myself a part of all of this. I don't actually consider myself a Prince scholar. Yes, I taught a class on Prince at Stanford and that's really cool and amazing. Um, but even, I don't have a PhD in any of this. I don't have a book, I don't have a research project. I just, um, I'm what they call a field scholar, a community scholar. Like I know it because I lived it um, and because I can testify to how it touched me. And so I think that makes me just like all of you. and. I'm always blessed by the opportunity to be in community. So that's really what I want to say and all the other things that are in my bio or whatever. Um, So I get inspired when y'all do things like this and I come up with new titles for things, although some of the content, if you've ever heard me talk, you've heard some of this already. Uh, And so the title for the talk is Looking for the Ladder Prince and the Sacred Profane. Now, I was not even going to do a little PowerPoint, but I got so excited that I just had to. Um, oh, I don't think I can. It says the this screen I can sharing. make you a
0: co-host, Zarika okay, That's right. easy. So okay, I'd I'll
1: like
4: make it. you a co-host and then you can share it. Um, okay, cool. So um, it's just a few little pictures. And it's actually a combination. De'Angelo's going to be like, this all the stuff you've ever presented. It's a combination of everything that I've ever presented at all the conferences, because this is that. This is the combination of all the things that we want to talk about. And so uh, let me just share Just a little bit. And then I love the part where we talk and ask questions. So I really just love, you know, when we talked about this, you all said, you know, we're a little different because we encourage interaction. I was like, amen, because that's really what we need is just to talk to each other because we miss him and we just want to be together. That's true. (laughs) Okay. All right. Can you all see the one slide or can you see two Mm -hmm. slides? Okay, good. Fabulous. Okay, so this was my graphic that made me so happy is looking for the ladder prince and the sacred profane. So um, a while back, I think it was at Manchester, I started talking about prince and black liberation theology. And this is Dr. James Cone, who is really the father of black liberation theology. And what he says is it's about dismantling top down institutional structures and erecting a bottom up paradigm of faith and learning. And so when I was doing my first trying to be a scholar on prints research um, for Manchester, I was thinking like, okay, what's a framework that makes sense? And I just started looking into all these different frames. And when I heard this, I was just like, yes, he was dismantling things and he wasn't doing it from an activist position. He wasn't doing it from, you know, we just discussed a feminist position or any of those things. He was doing it from his natural being. His natural being just couldn't stand all the boxes that everybody was putting everything into. And so uh, this is who he was. He was dismantling these structures and coming up with a whole different paradigm. And so um, one of the things about Black uh, uh, theology is that it celebrates testimony. And it says testimony is an integral part of the Black religious tradition. It is the occasion where the believer stands before the community of faith in order to give account of the hope that is in him or her. And so this is what happened to me. I am an adolescent, right? growing up at with Prince as really the first music that I ever loved. So I'm in uh, middle school in the seventh grade. I am 11. Um, when I first encounter Dirty Mind. So it's, let me see. Yeah, I'm 11, 12, one of those. So it's 81, 82. So it's been around, but this is my first hearing it. And so this is what I, I said in the presentation I did for D'Angela. I called it my dirty adolescence growing up with Prince. So this is the moment that I'm in. I'm just like, oh, my hormones are kicking in all over the place. And here he is half naked all the time. And fine and cute and all the things that I were too young to handle. Now, when I think about how old I was, knowing every single word and every single breath on Dirty Mind, it's like, oh, this is so scandalous that I would know that, right? Like, but it was powerful because he never was one dimensional. Everything that he talked about had layers from the very beginning. There was always a complicated mix of love songs. Like people talk about, you know, his sexuality, and they often talk about like the 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 poles, right, of him being very religious and him being very sexual. But what about those love songs? Right. Like, what about that way that, like, he made you feel like the beauty of a woman and his reverence for a woman? I think that's where the feminism thing comes from is because, you know, he was he was singing about his vulnerability. Right. And walking around in leg warmers and, you know but he, he was vulnerable, right? He's singing, I got a broken heart again. Like this is also a part of what his sexuality is and what it meant is that he was doing these things that changed the idea of what black masculinity was and what was blowing the minds of every one of those young macho hip hops also coming of age people that I'm around is that all oh, the girls loved him. And so whatever he was doing, there was respect for it because of that dynamic, right? And so here he was being as beautiful and pretty and soft as he could possibly. Don't y'all love this picture? Don't you just want it like, ooh, ooh, ooh. If you loved him being like this picture right here, you would just like, it just, you know, the little soft filter on it. You just, ooh. And that's who I had, right? He was really freaky, but he was so romantic. Right. And this is, I think, some of the piece that gets left, like, how does he make this bridge between being so profane and being so sacred? It's the love. It's the love that he had for women. It's the love that he had for music. It's the love that he had for people. Because that, to me, is what made him spiritual. It's not the religion. It's the love, right? And that is the thing that is consistent across all the time, is that he was a proponent of love. He wasn't going to fight in no damn war. He wasn't going to, like, he. every single thing was about loving one another right? And that's from the very beginning to the very end. And of course, it never ends because we just keep getting more. Um, Yeah, I know, I'm just gonna leave this picture up because that's all we want to do. Everybody's texting in about like how beautiful he is. But I do think it's really important. And so if you know anything about me, you know, my story is that I'm from um, uh, Detroit, and I grew up in a city that broke Prince, really outside of Minneapolis. And part of the reason why, when I say broke, I mean broke him open to a new audience. Um, and part of the reason why I always talk about it, I have to talk about it because he was such a huge influence. There was a DJ called the Electrifying Mojo who had something called the Midnight Funk Association. And he was so successful because he bought his own airtime. And he could afford to play anything that he wanted. So when I was growing up, he played every album that Prince put out in its entirety for hours. Like he would play the whole thing and nobody could stop him from doing that because he owned his own airtime. But he also put out all of this precursors to techno, like Kraftwerk and the B-52s, and he played funk and soul and all of this. So when Prince came to Detroit, we had already been primed to listen to every aspect of his music because we heard it in this environment. And then if you talk to people about techno in Detroit, like they will tell you that it was Mojo that created, that helped them create techno because they will talk about the influence. There's good articles about the influence that Prince was on techno music because of Mojo and the way they put all of these things together. And then Mojo got Prince's first live radio interview. So I was coming home 1986 from his birthday concert in Detroit and Prince was on the radio. Live. It was the first time we had ever heard him talk on the radio. And if y'all any of you remember hearing him talk for the first time, that like deep, soft, husky voice that he had, it was oh 16, it was too much. I couldn't take it. So we're all at home calling each other, screaming, "Ah, Prince is on the radio, Prince, Mojo, Prince, you couldn't even understand a person. But that was the environment I grew up in. I mean, and it wasn't just Prince, it was everything associated with him. Uh, Mojo would play and and so here you got like you know when I'm in middle school and I'm in high school people are answering the phone chili sauce like I still know all the words to if a girl answers don't hang up to this day like we were we would get like when my family did Thanksgiving we did the whole thing we did Prince we did the time we did Vanity Six and I just grew up in a family that was edgy and so we were all dressed up in somebody mama's slip doing vanity six and it was funny the the adults thought it was funny so that's kind of how i got around that and so when you look at what he was doing he was liberating black masculinity but he was also doing this work around liberating black people and we didn't find out so much later a lot of what that was right and you all talked about some of the like songs seemed to be about one thing but then they would be about something else and there were just always these layers and here's marva collins and that's how early he was doing work marva collins in the black preparatory school in chicago he was supporting her way early and so you just see her kind of creep into the most beautiful girl in the world in that video one of my favorite prince comp, uh, concerts was tavis smiley he did a benefit for Tavis Smiley in L.A. And that was probably the blackest print show I ever went to, like just hella, hella black. But he was always doing that. And so it always offended me. Any of y'all who have ever seen me talk know that it always offended me, this idea of print outside of blackness, right? No, Prince was the evidence of how broad black is. Right. Because Prince was influenced by all of the by the Jimi Hendrix. Like, hello, what is not black? We jazz, uh, hip hop, rock and roll. Like what what's not black? Right. Like blues and country is inspired by blue. Like it's all minstrelsy. It's all black. Right. And so the idea that he's outside of black just like grinds my teeth. So um, so he was doing that and he just refused to let anybody define him. And so I I feel like I relate to Prince because he's a part of my own evolution, right? And so from the beginning, I had this conflict. So here I was in middle school and I can remember the first conversation that I had in a deep way was with two of my best friends in middle school who loved Prince. And I remember us sitting there going, do you think that if we would rather go to a Prince concert than church, then that means we're going to hell? Now I'm like 12, right? Having this conversation and, but I was serious. This was like my first real exploration of my, you know, my um, spirituality. And I later went on to become a minister, I'm a minister. And, but for me, Prince gave me that permission a strong spirit transcends rules. I didn't feel like I would ever have a place in the ministry. A, I love Prince, B, I curse like a sailor. You know, like this was just, there was no not gonna be any place for me, but this is what he what he said and what he was, is there's a place for all of us um, and, and we can find it. So the last thing I'll say, cause there's so much more to talk about. Uh, oh, I should say that one of my little claims to fame is that for the Yes We Code movement, I did one of the first Prince flash mobs ever in Oakland and Prince tweeted about it. And we had about 250 people in the media all came. And the next day he called up his team and cussed people out and was like, she did this in like three days. Y'all ain't done it in three years and I got people in trouble, but it was fun. And then the other claim to fame is that I did a secret marriage at Paisley Park for for two friends of mine who who were huge, huge Prince fans and wanted to get married at Paisley Park. And I asked them and they looked at me like, no, we're not giving you permission to do that but then they were kind of like, but we ain't gonna say nothing. So I just took them in the corner and like, you know, dearly beloved. And we did the whole thing. So uh, I think that's enough for me to share in terms of my story and, and what he is, who he is to me and, and why I think I was inspired by his integration. And I think the root of this conversation is his ability to always show love and to push us to love across all the different situations and boundaries and barriers. So I'll stop with that.
0: Wow and wow and wow. Thank you so much.
6: Let's light up the
0: chat. That was, that was dope. This this conversation is got this we, we have to take it to a whole new level now.
1: I Thank so completely related to everything you said, just being, you know, going, like I said, going to Catholic school, being in kind of a religious family, like, is this wrong? But I, there was nothing that was going to stop me. <laughs> right. Right. There was nothing that was going to stop me from being what I am,
4: which is a princess. Vote <laughs> so know we're not fans because we're not fanatics, and you know. Yes, a bunch yeah, we yeah. got in trouble. We, a bunch <laughs> of us got in trouble in Manchester because we were trying to come up with another word, and we said we were lovers. We were lovers of Prince, and then they published a whole article, basically like we were crazy because we thought yeah. we was Prince lovers, and I was like, that is not what we said. But anyway, so yeah,
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you, you know, so yeah. much,
1: Sarah.
6: I was wondering if I could just add something. I, I loved your talk, both of your talks. Thank you so much. This is Kat. Um, I just want to say um, I think you're right. Uh, one thing I wanted, I put it in the chat, but unfortunately, Prince was punished by the media because he had a very diverse fan group. And I think that's where some of this, you know, he's not Black comes from. And it wasn't his fault that he. Um, in his songs uh, professed, you know, uh, that, you know, race to some extent doesn't matter. It wasn't his fault that uh, people of every background found something to love about him or his music. And he really took a Took a hit for that, particularly uh, in his early years. And I think he felt very strongly um, that he really needed, um, you know, to embrace his own culture as he always had done, but maybe do that a little bit more publicly without alienating his fans from the beginning, who maybe uh were white um so i i i think that he he took one he took one for the team uh, uh and and uh, because he was uh so loved by such a large uh group um so i just wanted to put that in there but but i loved everything you said i i think you were uh right on when you say you know he was never not black it was just that he had a fan base That was sometimes not Black. And then he got punished in the media uh, for that, uh, which wasn't his fault.
4: I think Prince is somewhat of a Rorschach test around race. You see whatever you want to see because it's what you think. I met someone who was one of his engineers who told me that Prince didn't like Black people and that he had tried to, who was like an actual engineer. He told me Prince didn't like Black people that he had tried to get Prince to um, work with uh, black folk, black engineers in the studio and that Prince would always reject them. And I thought, I find that really hard to believe. And then I realized this thing. Have you ever had this experience where someone of another race tries to introduce you to their black friend? Right. And they're just like, you should meet my black friend. And then it's automatically like you're supposed to like that other person because they're black. I could see Prince being like, I'm not getting ready to take somebody just because they black. I can actually have the best in the field. And I could see how you might interpret that as being he doesn't like black people, but no, he doesn't like your token black person who you think he's going to take just because they're black and if he didn't there's so many other, let me stop right there cuz it, it was so upsetting it was so upsetting D'Angela, I'm going to have to tell you who that was if I haven't told you already
0: <laughs> so we're going to we're going to get into this thank you so much Tarika um let let's let's get into this cuz like that conversation we had um during episode 2 our episode was about uh, it was woke af and princess Blackity black black and to the conversation you're having right now with Kat, we were really concerned about the whitewashing of Prince and how, and how that can get lost in the, you know, because, you know, we're, we're now, we're, we're all assessing what already occurred and not really being present to what he was offering. I mean, Prince, Prince I think there were times where he played with race, um, but I think as we, as he definitely towards the end of his career became very clear around his activism and, and, and how he was choosing to use his platform. So everything from, you know, like songs like Baltimore to doing concerts in Baltimore of honor of Freddie Gray to um, solar, pa- solar panels on people's homes and people don't even know that they have them because Prince put them there. Um, and really, you know, redefining you know what was possible within Black activism and Black Lives Matter and supporting Trayvon Martin's mom uh, during that season. I think that there there are definitely things that were very present that he doesn't always. And he was also, I mean, he he gave in this in the truest sense of giving, right? I'm giving, and you don't know that I'm giving to you, right? So there are times where that gets lost in the sauce, also that. You know, he didn't say, I'm writing this check to X, Y, and Z organization, but he wrote the check. And I, you know, like the Marva Collins work always struck me as an educator, because that was, that was, that was back in the day, right? And and if you wasn't paying attention to what Marva Collins was doing within her preparatory work in Chicago, she was transforming lives in the inner city that, that would have not necessarily been given. And in that in itself is a spiritual act, right? So he, he did very, he did many Jesus-like things, um, and and gave in the way that Jesus would give, right? He didn't, like, put the her- I, I watched a lot of celebrities now, and when they're giving, it's like, X, Y, and Z gives this to this. Prince did a lot of that, and no one knew, right? And if you look at Christian doctrine, that that's the, the angle from which you give, right? You don't give, like, oh, Maury gave to this. It's like, she just gave. And you don't even know that she's giving, but she's in your midst. And he, and he's definitely stuck within that space. So I want to just thank, first, before we get into the questions, thank you so much, darika and thank you so much, Erica, for your thoughts and your um, consideration around this work. I'm, I'm excited to know that you are a part of the Purple Army and that you are standing with us as we lift um, this legacy. So, um, and of course, family. As you're as you're listening to the as you're listening in with this conversation, we know we love interaction. So please put your questions in the chat so we can really light this up and get everyone involved where possible. So, ladies, let's just jump in. So, you gave us a sense of you know where your commentary is within the spirituality, sexuality, and Prince. But we want to hear a little bit about you. We love hearing about our guests and who they are and your bios. A dynamic. Um, you're, you're women within your own right, and you stand with you stand outside of, of course. princess is great, but you are you who you are. So please, you know, bless us with who you are, and you know where does this intersection come into play for you in your everyday life? And um, fam, please join in, in the conversation as well. So Erica, would you please start us off? Tell us a little bit about your work, what you're currently doing. We know you're working on this amazing book. But who is Erica Thompson and what brings her into this work?
2: Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I just want to tell Elevate Black stories. I think that's the best way to sum it up. So um, I'm a full-time reporter, and that's what I try to do in my own community here in Columbus, Ohio. And I think that definitely intersects with my Prince work because, like, as we were speaking about before, it's just there are so many false narratives out there because... a lot black people weren't able to write about Prince um, as much as they should have been and being able to kind of break down what he was doing. Um, And so I see that as as part of my work on spirituality, especially when it comes to like the black theology aspect of what of what he was trying to do as well. Um, I was also, you know, raised as a Christian. So that was kind of my entry point into Prince Um, earlier, uh, like a lot of you were talking about like hearing his his the sexual side um, coming up, but that's kind of not how I got introduced to him. So when I was 16 like rainbow children, the rainbow children was out. So that's, that was kind of my main introduction to him and I felt um, We had some common ground just because of my beliefs and and his beliefs. And so then I had to go back <laughs> and see just exactly how nasty he could get and I think um the song that really struck me was "Let's Pretend We're Married" because it's like, okay, this is a really nasty song, and then you're talking about you're in love with God at the end of it. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but you know, as I continued my research, I under, I kind of understood uh, what he was trying to do there. Um, so I think that's that's it in a nutshell.
0: Thank you, Derica. Derica.
4: Yes. I feel like my whole presentation is about me, so I'm always like, but um, let's see, what do I want to say? So, you know, I'm from Detroit. You know, I grew up listening to Prince. i travel. I traveled all over the place uh, to see him. I was, you know, on stage at Ruby Sky with free on my face instead of slave. It was, it was just, I was doing a lot. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? The Um, So I guess what I do, I should say, I spent most of my life working with young people. Uh, I lived in Oakland, California for 20 years and then Palo Alto when I was at Stanford for three years. Uh, So I was working with youth in Oakland and then went to Stanford to be the head of their first generation and or low income office and also over their diversity inclusion efforts. And while I was there, I started teaching or co-teaching courses on race and intergroup communication. And then my friend, Dr. Adam Banks, who is over the program of writing and rhetoric um, was like, you want to teach a class on prints?" And I was like, oh my gosh yes um and uh Dr. Monique Morris who's one of my best friends I like called all these people and Phaedra and I was like and Van I'll, Van and I worked together in Oakland years ago uh almost two 15 years ago and so I was like I don't know if I'm qualified I'm not you know but Adam is the genius scholar and I'm the like integrator like who can actually put the scholarship into some actual context of what it was like, Um, so yeah, I think that's, kind of it. If, in the beginning of doing, of being in this community, y'all are so smart. And like, you know, I have to admit, I was scared to do the little poll at the beginning. I was like, what if I get one wrong? I'm a special guest. I can't get one wrong. So I need to know if it's anonymous. So for the future, as long as it's anonymous, it was anonymous, anonymous actually. Okay. So you should you can, say, you that can keep your print in like, this card.
0: We won't, we won't tell anybody.
4: And I, I would have gotten most of them right too, but I was like, dang, I'm not sure about that first one. What if I'm wrong? So anyway, but I think I had a little bit of that insecurity when I came into the community, because you have so many people in this community who like just, you know, it's like sports or something. They just know every song, every track. I'll, oh, I'll tell you, this is a great story. Um, OK, I'll tell you two great stories, because I love stories. Uh, one, many of you heard me say this. When I was growing up, you know, I was in the community that kind of liked Prince. And I remember my grandmother, where, where controversy came on the radio. And you know, it had had, it had the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know where she had heard that part, but it was playing on the radio. She goes, "Oh, I like that Prince. I love this song. Count your blessings. And I was like, what? She thought it was- That is a bless- very, you
0: know, I've heard that miss lyric before.
4: Yes. And I just, so that's the, everybody knew Prince around me. And like I said, it's a war shark. It is what, whatever you think it is. Um, but yeah, I have a billion of those kinds of little stories because he's so integrated into like my life. And so I think that's how I came to be doing the class and the the, um, the flash mob and all the things. So I feel like I've talked enough and we should just take questions and we could talk from there. I do
0: have a question for you. So talk to me about, so that, that's like a dream job for me because I I'm, I'm an educator here in New York. I'm a superintendent of schools and I do teach at the college level. Tell me about your Prince course.
4: (laughs) Like what what Uh, Okay.
0: What what do you teach in
4: your Prince course? I was kind of like, like I said, Adam is the genius and he had all the like rhetorical, you know, scholarship stuff. And I was just kind of more like. Well, what had happened was when it first came out, everybody thought, wasn't sure if that was his body on the love sexy cover or not, right? Like, so I'll give the like first person narrative, but I can share with you the, um, the syllabus that we put together for the course. But to be honest with you, people take my classes or come to my workshops and DeAngela keeps inviting me back because I tell really good stories. And so like that, that I think is really important. Those of us who, um, Lived at a time when he was so deeply interwoven into our understanding of sexuality, our understanding of spirituality, our understanding of masculinity, of blackness. Like he was seminal for many of us in those things, Um, and you see that influence generation after generation of you know like a Lenny Kravitz talking about what seeing Prince play the guitar did for him, or you know so many people talk about that. So I think we just did that, like we framed it into some of the discourse that was coming out. and I was just there to kind of um, keep it real, I think is my job. I am supposed to be the one to keep it real. But I'll share with you some of the stuff we put together. Yeah um, I would love to this. see the, I would love to see the scope and sequence for
0: what that looks like of a, a course on friends. That's dope.
4: Yeah, And we actually did. we had students, um, I don't know if you know Naima Cochran, but she has this thing on Twitter where she does the uh, playlist. And so we had our, our students all, they all had to put together a black play, I mean, a Prince playlist. And then we had Phaedra and Naima and other people look over their playlists um, and give them feedback on, on their little Prince playlist. So we did fun stuff like that too.
6: This is Kat. I want to know when that class is being re-offered and how do I register for it? <laughs> uh-huh. it's
4: not going to be re-offered I left Stanford in January to focus on inclusion design group which is my diversity and inclusion consulting business and um a- Adam and I almost taught it once again but he's not gonna teach it without me and I don't know that I'm gonna teach it again because was a lot of pressure academically like to be you know at Stanford it's how you know I don't have that you know whatever um, I went to Stanford which is why they let me do a bunch of stuff but um but I, I just didn't want the pressure of having to have something so academic. I actually much rather do it this way where I can sprinkle in a little thing, but actually just be with folks who love him and, and talk about loving him and what that was like.
0: Thank you so much for that. So Erica, you mentioned that so your, introduci- your intro- introduction to Prince was around the rainbow children. So you're coming in to Prince at a grown, sexy, time like this is like he's like he's fully evolved into the artist that um that we we've come to know him to be and and at that point i guess at that point it was his first album where he really fully really dove into his his world as a jehovah witness and shared that with us and i think for me um for me personally i just remember being like so in enrolled in the musicality of that album so you know, and somebody mentioned how young you were around coming into Prince at that point. So, talk to us a little bit about, like, what's been the aha for you in terms of Prince being, you know, like, like, like were there moments where you like, like, coming into like coming into that, which was very spiritual record, right? Um, and a record that honored ancestry, like family name, um, you know, one plus one plus one is three, like that kind that that kind of um, sentiment that's that's wrapped around this album. Like what, what What? what were your aha moments, like moving forward from there that made you go, oh, you know what, I didn't realize that. Like, do you, do you remember coming across like a, or was it a sexual opportunity within his music that made you go, oh, I didn't know he was going there. Or was it a deeper spiritual point where you're like, oh, you know what, he's saying more of this here to make you go towards this direction of writing a book that really focuses on on princess spirit and offering that kind of agape love. Uh, to his audience
2: yeah um gosh where to begin well i mean i think the reason why i wanted to write a book is because um i think a lot of people thought when he became a jehovah's witness they thought it was just like a 180 degree like transition because they like the the purple rain image has been crystallized in so many people's minds. They like really don't think of him outside of that. It's just that darling Nikki humping the stage image. (laughs) And so, you know, when I was just learning about him, just, you know, because I was interested when I began to see like the God stuff, in all of his music, like from the very beginning, I think that was one aha moment. Like, no, he's he's always been talking about God. He's always been talking about spirituality and isn't this like super interesting. So I think that was the first one. The second one is like when I started this research, I thought it was going to be like very neat and tidy. I thought it was going to be like <laughs> a, a, a simple born again story like, oh, okay, he was this way, became a Jehovah's Witness, like the end, but that that's not it. He is much more complex than that. Um, So I think what I'm trying to do with my book is just trying to present the information and ask people to kind of draw their own conclusions, because it's so complex. And then I guess I'd say like the third aha thing was that it's just not about Christianity with him, like he studied so many different religions and incorporated all of them especially in the 90s um, when you get into things like like reincarnation um, and karma and things like that and I like there's just like a really strong Hindu thread that I spent a lot of time like teaching myself about and incorporating uh, incorporating that too so he's kind of like the work has challenged me a little bit because i mean i was raised a christian and i would still say that that i am i'm still kind of finding my own place spiritually but it challenged me like some things that i would not even be allowed to investigate <laughs> like like reincarnation like i'm starting to think about and you know what do i believe about this um so i would say those are kind of the three aha moments for me yeah definitely on art
0: of official age i remember it like like the all the affirmations that came into to play around it. He was definitely going towards like a more of a, a Michael Beckwith transcendental meditation realm than he was even operating within Christianity necessarily. Um, I definitely agree with you on that. If I see where other other religious um, perspectives were coming into play and P Dub mentioned around um, the Jewish influence. He had a lot of Jewish musicians at one point around him within the revolution, definitely. Um, that, that's very true. Thank you so much for sharing that. So uh, the last question, ladies, I have for you is around what would you want Prince to know about your work and how he has inspired you? What would you tell him?
2: I think Dorica should go first, so. <laughs> um,
4: Erica. You know, I you know I teach, and I used to teach K twelve, and I used to have a rule that whoever volunteers, somebody else has to go first. Um, but I will if you want me to. Um, okay, so this is going to be really interesting because it's going to take the conversation to a whole other place. So one, oh, I have to I have to acknowledge uh, the shout out to uh, to Reverend Michael Beckwith, who is my teacher in ministerial school. So we actually came amazing. To- became that's who I went under so like we came through that so that kind of tells you a little bit about the kind of minister. I got they you. call me the, they call me the irreverent reverend um but uh so I already had a conversation with him about it um and so like just the I talk sometimes about um people ask why why was he so um such a genius and I usually say it's because when you spend your entire life doing the thing that God put you here to do like there's an additional shine that happens like the more and more and more you do the thing that you're supposed to do on this planet the like the shine becomes so bright and transcendent and so like I've always connected to him spiritually and actually okay this is I'm just gonna say it because it's y'all um I stopped trying to be a Prince scholar after kind of checking in with him about just the fact that I don't know. I don't know what he thought. I don't know what he meant. I don't know like which direction he was going in. I just stopped and started to tell the story of what I know about how he moved me. And so I don't really feel like I kind of try to check in from time to time. Like, is it okay for me to like say this or And I just stopped. I just stopped because I'm not, I haven't done, I think what Erica puts forward is really powerful because she put in the work. She's already at 400 pages, right? And it's because she did the interviews. She's like listened to, you know, the song. She's put the pieces together to tell a really powerful and important story. And my story is just a different one to tell. It's the story of how it impacted me, how it shaped who I am how it shaped the environment that I grew up in how it shapes the culture that I love um, and so I think um, I, yeah I think I would just I, I do want him to know um, that uh, that he changed my life that I am who I that I wouldn't be who I am without that music which every single step of the way is the soundtrack of my life, the day I got into college, the day I got married, um, the day I discovered, you know, what head was, like all of the things, right? Like he was there. How I began to understand spirituality in a different way, like how I transcended rape right? like all of the things. So that I think is um is thank you is probably what I would say. Yeah. Um yeah
2: I first Thanks to for that (laughs) and for going first. Um, But yeah, I think the first thing would just be thank you. And, you know, there's an interview with Larry King, I think, where he um, asks how he would describe his music, like what genre, and he just said inspirational. So I think, I would like to think that he knew how many, just how many people he inspired. So I would just reinforce that. He's definitely inspired me and, You know, I think he, I mean, he said it in his memoir. He really wanted to talk about freedom. And I think that has gotten across. And like, even after he has passed away, what he said about freedom, people are still talking about. I mean, you could see Kanye West tweeting about Prince (laughs) and calling himself the new Moses when Prince was doing that 20 years ago. (laughs) So Prince is still relevant and inspirational. So that's what I would say.
0: Ladies, you are both extraordinary and so dynamic. I cannot thank you enough. Robin and I cannot thank you enough uh, for sharing you with us. Um, it has really been a pleasure having you here uh, to give us insight into this world. Um, you know, Robin and I have been friends for over, I want to say it's 25, is it 25 years, Robin? It's 1993. Oh, good Lord. let me do the math. It's been a long time. So we met online. At a, we met at online, waiting for Act One tickets, oh, and um, yeah, that's how we met. And yeah. uh, the friendship has persisted uh, on on many fronts, but Prince was definitely the unifier, and it's not lost on me that. That's what he would always want, right? There's a love for one another. There is a presence of connectedness, uh, joy, um, and, and music, bridging, bridging the world between us. And uh, every time we do one of these episodes, I'm always amazed by the guests because it's it's we've all been impacted in some way, shape, or form, and then we bring that to. Our respective worlds, and uh, Erica, I cannot wait to read your book. I look forward to the six hundred page <laughs> document that you're going to create uh, for us to keep this legacy uh, going. And and Erica, I really appreciate uh, your insight um, and and of your journey of evolving and growing as a young woman into the woman and minister you are today and sharing the, how the worlds of sexuality and spirituality intersect to create who you understand you to be and Prince being uh, that vehicle to have helped you get there. So thank you both so much because this is this is the topic to me. I really, when I think about Prince and like what he did so well and what he, he was brought here to do was to really show us not only is sex about physical and in like the um the, the the act of it but the intimacy of it right and in intimacy being in like the into me I see into you I see and then from that space we are one so i i, I really appreciate you being a, a part of this conversation and and while i can definitely dance on the come side more than the, the cross side. I appreciate, I appreciate both, um, you know, and, and also, you know, the maturity of it all, right? Because I came in, I, I became a Prince fan when I was nine. So this was uh, Prince of Revolution Live at Syracuse it was my first time seeing that video and Love Sexy was my first show. And, God, Lord, I think it's 80 plus concerts later, um, dancing on stage and all these other all interactions, meeting him and talking to him and being in awe of him and freaking out and all that good stuff, um, really speaks to, you know, he was just being him and sharing us with him for that period of time. And then also, of course, now, you know, in a, living in a post Prince world, which is what this conversation is always about. While he's very present to us, the idea that each and every one of us actually has the opportunity to bring forth our own uniqueness and our own story um, and bring that narrative to the world so that we too are shapeshifters in what's possible for our world. So I I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this conversation. I look forward to seeing what each and every one of you uh, create within that. Um, And with that, uh, Robin, you want to have any final words for our guests and just telling them thank you. Um,
1: yes, I I mostly want to say how much I relate to both of what you had to say, um, just like the whole journey. And I, Derika, when when Prince passed away that horrible day, one of the first things I said is like, God, everything I am as a woman, as an artist, is all directly related to him. Like, how am I going to move on? And obviously it took us some time to figure that out, me and Maury, like, I mean, and like when me and Maury first became friends, we would just get together on the phone and just geek out about like this protege album and what like she said and what he said and like everything related to Prince. So like, here we are 27 years later and we find ourselves still having these conversations, but sharing it with people that we didn't even realize felt the same exact way we do. And I think when you talk about scholarship, it doesn't have to be scholarship in the traditional sense. It could be like what you said, just sharing your experience because there's so many people out there who had the same or similar experiences the first time they heard this or the first time they heard that and like nobody cared But here we are and people do care. (laughs) So I think it's always important to just like keep doing that scholarship work, keep talking about him. I think that that is what we can give to him in this space now that he's not here is to just continue to talk about him and talk about what he meant to us and how he inspired us and how he brought us all together. So it's all good. (laughs) That's all. Thank I hope really that made so sense. Much. Sometimes thank I you. get all emotional and I just like start talking and I don't even know if I'm making any sense, but I think that was, I, was
0: beautiful.
5: Zero percent sense.
1: Shut up. Clint. Thank you, Clint. <laughs> Can we mute him? Okay.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I, <laughs> love, I
1: love, so I love, I love our purple army. For- for sharing, Drica and Erica, I thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was a, it was a pleasure to meet you. And also, we also followed D'Angela's. Um, uh, yes, and again. actually, Who's Robin, up? do
0: I have uh, share? Do I have share power? Um, I share should green. Oh. Yes. so D'Angela is in the room. Where is she? She's Where in the she? room.
4: Oh so D'Angela.
0: Yes. Um, October tenth. Let's pick up our sister. Look, like, like the purple army is united. Let me tell you. Ooh. So please sign up for the virtual sign of the Time super deluxe celebration. Our girl D'Angela uh, Duff. Uh, October tenth. Please, please sign up. There's a there That's is. Tomorrow, a, isn't it? What's today? Today's, today's
6: the eighth. Today's the
0: seventh, and we got we got three more days. Okay this remote
1: angela cool. are I you work. on
6: yes <laughs> she I'm, was here, on. But I'm, I'm in the
1: dark
0: <laughs> are you in the dark <laughs> yes i'm in the dark
5: okay Hello, it's okay everyone. you
0: get to be in the dark because that's going to link to our next episode which is about come. that's perfect
4: <laughs> perfect <laughs> All right. oh sorry okay i'm not, I'm not on me.
0: so d'angela <laughs> we want to thank you sis you have been you, you you know you you launched this type of conversation and making sure that we're keeping Prince's legacy alive and going with honoring uh, the anniversary of albums. And of course, The Sign of the Times, the Luxe Edition just came out. Mine is on my living room table. I still have not opened it up yet because I'm still busy what? opening up 161. What <laughs> I, I have. The 100 hell is wrong up. with
5: you? Open it up. Listen to it.
0: <laughs> I am going to well, I haven't it. listened to mine either. I, I have it. I have Shame it, to both of you. I own it. It is in the house.
6: So what did mm-hmm. you get? Did you I'm, get all, I'm
0: reopening schools you. in New York City. There's a lot <laughs> going on.
6: Did you get the vinyl or the CD? I
0: got I got the whole kit and caboodle. So it's, the vinyl, the vinyl and CD? It's the vinyl? Are there CDs in there? No.
5: It was, it was, no. It was, no. It's just oh, a vinyl. It's, it's, just, vinyl it's just, vinyl. just a vinyl. See if you opened it, you know.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm open in schools. All right. What you doing with your life? Okay. Oh. Yeah, I'm open in schools. All right. Don't 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 come for me, Clint. I know it's you, Clint. I know it's you. I love you.
5: I love you too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was Clint. Can I say something very really briefly? Um, yes. I want to thank all of you, D'Angela, Dr. Mari, Robin, everybody, because I have no like logical connection to Prince, and I always saw him as a certain entity. And you guys have humanized him so much with all oh. of these books. I mean, like it is unbelievable how like good, bad, or ugly he's a person. And I just appreciate you guys being able to kind of bring that down earth. So thank you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
0: And DeAngela, you know what? You sent me the link directly. Please uh, bless the chat and send it to everyone so they can sign up for. Oh, you're out of the dark, sis. There you are. How are you, girl? So please, uh, D'Angelo, put the link in the chat so everybody can sign up. It's Saturday, right? Yes, it's Saturday, and you want to say anything about it? I know you got. Let me tell you something. When I saw the the link that you put, you put, you've been posting on Facebook, and then you said that Atlanta Bliss was coming. I said, "Yo, this chick, I got. Yo, when I when I can hug you, I will." (laughs) Okay. Like you DeAngela are, you are, no, you are so no. awesome. DeAngela. We, were, we were literally talking about Atlanta we bliss. Were just ta- I was we're, like, what was what like happened okay. wait. Uh, Atlanta bliss. And I see D'Angela's post that Atlanta bliss is going to be a part of her forum on Saturday. And I'm like, see this what I'm saying? Purple army rocks. So D'Angela, thank you so much for, you know, all that you're doing uh, with keeping Prince's legacy alive, you definitely keep us inspired uh, to keep on doing what we're doing on our end. So D'Angelo just put the link in the chat for the sheen- the screen share that we just put up. So please sign up, uh, if, you know, we, we're really appreciating the, re- uh, the remastering of Sign of the Times and loving all of that. Um, again, Erica, And Dorica, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, Robin, we have two more games, right? Of um, lyrics that you prefer. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, so here is our next, uh, okay. All right, guys,
0: go for it. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) What would you prefer? Versus dirty dirtiest lyric ever.
1: Okay, I'm going to give you guys two minutes. Don't disappoint me okay I worked really hard at figuring out these polls and how to do these games. (laughs) Okay. And i'm a Virgo so I had to get it right, so yes, come on folks. While everybody's doing that, I'm gonna go take a bathroom break. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I will
0: be right back. Thank you. So let's let's get those let's get those polls going.
4: I gotta take off. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Severica, so great. Thank you
0: so thank much. You you. You're gonna hear from us. Thank you so much. Right.
4: Okay. Thanks everyone. All right.
0: Appreciate you. Be well. Cat, you would want your feet in the drawers. It sounds uncomfortable. <laughs>
5: what if the drawer closes?
0: Let me tell you something. Only with you, with the drawers closed, really, Clint. Really, how are you gonna close the drawers with her feet in it? That's right, Zenzi. Vintage solid cedar drawers don't close by themselves. That's right.
5: Inertia might make them
3: close.
0: Like, where did Prince come up with these lyrics? Sometimes I just have to wonder. Okay, so we'll take the polling to three minutes. So you have about 30 seconds left if you haven't voted yet. About what would you prefer? Kat, I think the better question is, why wouldn't you have sex on the pantry shelf? That's the better question. Thank you, Elisa. Exactly. Why why not? Okay, how are we looking here?
1: Contamination. Well,
0: I said, so you have two seconds. I said three three minutes, Robin. Okay. We're at three minutes. You want to end the poll and see where we end, where what our results are? All
1: righty, let's see here.
0: <laughs> oh, y'all are nasty. Look at number two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you Prince fans.
0: Oh, behave. <laughs> you want to read the first one? I'll do the second one. No, I'm not reading those. Fine. I'll read it. Okay. So what would you prefer? I want to get you underneath the cream and do the marshmallow. I still want to know what the, I think the marshmallow has to do with pillows. I swear it does. Okay. Well, I want to get hot with you. I want to get you to do something you thought you'd never do, like dance in front of my headlights on a hot summer night. Nude. That is from the Hot With You remix versus In the bedroom standing on the tub, holding on the rod, you're in the closet underneath the clothes. And oh my god, in the bedroom on the dresser with your feet in the drawers, in the pantry on my chef, I guaranteed you won't be bored. That would be the get-off remix. So I see 57% of the people, majority rules. So the prince card is one on in the bedroom, standing on the tub, holding on the rod. You're in the closet underneath the clothes. And oh my god, in the bedroom on the dresser with your feet in the drawers, in the pantry on the chef, I guaranteed you won't be bored. Yes, Prince Card wins on that one. All right, Robin, Dirtiest Lyric Era. <laughs> I'm not reading not those. I'm crying out loud, stop being such a prude. It's just a Virgo at this moment. I'll read it. All right, Dirtiest Lyric Era. Baby Don't Spit Me Out from Tick, Tick, Bang. 61%, y'all are nasty for real, son. Nobody like Graffiti Bridge, but everybody seems to like that lyric. I That's a conversation. That's a conversation, Purple Army. And <laughs> Making Love Till Cherry's Gone. And rock, that, that sounds so tame compared to Tick, Tick, Bang. <laughs> Making Love Till Cherry's Gone. 39%. Not not really uh, feeling it on the Tick, Tick, Bang. Okay. All right. So Baby, Don't Spit Me Out. So I don't want to hear that you don't like Graffiti Bridge. If that is the lyric that is winning. All right, so that is the dirtiest lyric ever, according to the Purple Paradigm tonight. Thank you, thank you so much, Purple Army, for standing up on that one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Robin so for
1: one- next, we have our um, sound off
0: game. Oh, we have one more game. Yes, we have sound off.
1: So for sound off, I did not play the entire, ver- like, I did not record the entire version of these songs because, uh, they're very long come is very long. It's like 11 minutes. So, um, I will only be playing 11 serious, minutes, to make like about come. three minutes of each one. Huh?
0: It takes 11 minutes to make, make you come. Dun, 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 dun. Does it? I don't know. According to Prince, it did. It took him 11 minutes. The that's horn amazing. section comes in at the, like about a good 10, 10 minutes, 13 seconds. So that's when it starts to go to a whole new place. Okay,
1: that man needed a that at a different time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play these two, these songs now. Okay. So we have four songs to play for you for sound off. Okay. So the first two would be the two dirty ones so or actually no the first two are the two holy ones so like we want you to vote and I'm going to post a poll after I play the two songs for you to vote on which one or should I put the poll up while they're playing
0: you can put the poll up while they're playing so they get oh it's oh you did it as a poll yeah not reactions yeah okay cool so people get to
1: track the reactions okay so gotcha hang on one second I'm going to share my screen Alrighty then.
0: So we're going to, so we're doing the Holy river versus anesthesia. This is sound off. So whichever one, this is a majority rules question. So whichever one really speaks to your spirit, that's the one you vote for. Can you see the poll? No, the poll's not up.
1: Oh Okay, I'll put it. I think it won't do it since I'm sharing. So you feel like you
5: are the only one in this world. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wanted to live with someone so much you take any one boy or girl? Alice, come to me, talk to me, ravish me. You think of me? praise me, craze me, out this space and time. Between white black, night day, black night seem like the only way. So I dance. Music plays, nothing light and break and glow We for a change, All too good, chase. Just like a ghost, and then a beautiful girl the most. Went her lips the same.
1: Sorry, that's all you get. Okay. Boom. Because we ain't got all night.
0: Okay, so next. <laughs> you got to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's a school night. Damn it. <laughs> Remote learning in the morning. I know. I know, damn it. It's a musical song, though.
5: Upon the wall, one eye staring at nothing at all, other one trying to focus through all your tears. try and try, but there's nothing. It's
1: should i play the two dirty songs and then launch the poll because both of them are on there yeah okay let's go for the dirty now okay okay here's my all-time one of my all-time favorites i mean because what
0: else is there it was just a promise of what was more to come with this one literally this
5: song is crazy you should do that baby
0: Song, Robin. No, we're not. We're doing this song. So.
5: Oh my God! It's my
0: tongue in the crease, I go round when I go down. i down, 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 down. No more will
5: you cry. Why you cry?
0: Why I'm just saying, Aliza. That's right, the crease part. What? You take that advice? You should do that, baby. You should do that. Play it, Robin. Don't let it. Don't stop it.
5: Him.
1: sorry we don't have all night <laughs> damn we don't have we don't have eight more minutes I, you know, that is the longest of the excerpts of all of the songs.
0: Because I just... Okay, okay, okay. Play the next one. Play the next one. <laughs> okay. This disgusting <laughs> piece oh, that's of song.
5: A bad Right, Erica? Yep. Then You You got an ice cream. You 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 got You You Bang bang bang
0: bang bang
5: bang So wrong <laughs> So wrong <laughs> oh, <it's> so Wrong <laughs> <laughs> Wrong You you rather you What you in if I sweat, I'm gonna you get go. all I is two, and it's so you do the best of that, You're such a shell If I ever you, I'll get you ever get you Every time I know I All of you
1: it's getting all over him wait you know all of this talking about intersection and all this we're all going
0: straight to hell that's <laughs> that that's a that's a, that's a Catholic school and you just launch the poll, yo.
5: Intersection. <laughs> just
0: launch the poll. Just launch. Let's not let's not get, let's not overthink this. Okay.
1: <laughs> just launch. <laughs> All right. So everybody vote for your favorite of
0: those four. Yeah, so vote, so the favorite Prince raunchy song you have Come versus Tick Tick Bang, your favorite spiritual song you have Holy River versus Anesthesia. Purple army stand up, let us know what you're thinking.
1: Come on, there's seven of you holding out. Well, I guess me and Maury can, or I can't vote.
0: Yeah. I can't vote either. Come a host.
1: Okay, well, then there's 25 of you, or four more of you, three more of you. Okay, I think maybe that's it. Okay, give you another 10 seconds to vote if you haven't voted. All right, I think the verdict is in.
0: All right. Yes. Favorite raunchy <laughs> song by Prince. So Come Wins over Tick, Tick, Bang, which is very interesting because y'all chose that nasty ass spit you out lyric in the last vote. <laughs> but that's all right. So Come Wins. And then spiritually, Anesthesia, my favorite Prince song. Yes. Anesthesia. That's the one. I love that song. But Holy River is absolutely beautiful as well. Uh, thank you so much for participating uh you know majority wins on those two you know everybody in this in this room gets to hold on to their prince card we won't revoke your prince card we love you too much so robin if you can uh shut the poll and then let's bring us all back together as one family so off off the spotlight
1: oh so wait uh you know i'm new
0: spotlight are you just gonna be there Am, this am home. I?
1: Do you? Are you only seeing me? Because I see everybody. Yeah, you're.
0: You're like. You're like dominating right now. Hi. Mary. Okay, moving along. Okay, I'm. I'm 27 years. I actually. Here. I actually have the speaker view. So, okay. She's
5: got such a big head.
1: Oh look who's. That talking. would be Clint again. Look who's talking. <laughs> he would. He would know. He would know.
5: He would I know. would. Yes. <laughs> Clint
0: has a big head. It's the biggest this the, given the spirituality sexuality conversation of tonight, <laughs> it has so many connotations. All
1: right, so I don't know how to change the view. Can you? All change- right, we
0: won't change it. Do you, you just just stop. Okay, wait, speaker.
1: hold on. It's gallery. So if yeah. I do gallery view, we're still we're still struggling with this Zoom stuff. Okay, so if I do oh, gallery I, view, I got everybody.
0: I, I just took gallery gallery view. I took you off the speaker. All right. Okay. All right. So purple army, thank you so much. Uh, for being with us tonight, I see Erica Thompson still hanging out and enjoy enjoying our commentary on the polls. Erica. <laughs> we're very silly. Yes, we're very silly, but we 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 uh, we love Prince dearly. So thank you so much uh, for joining us. This is episode uh, four, four, and mm-hmm. this is episode four. Episode four, I'm, I'm, four times. We did it. We're, we're making we're, 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 we are keeping this legacy going and um we cannot thank you enough purple army for you know being with us and showing up every month. So as you know our commitment is the seventh of the month at 7 pm to bring us all together to have a prince conversation. so our next episode is November 7th at 7 pm. And the title of that episode is going to be called Face Down, The Underrated and Underestimated. And this end, In this episode, The Purple Paradigm will explore three of the most underrated albums in the Prince canon. We're going to be looking at Come 2010 and Art of Official Age. Uh, so, you know, we're going to be tapping some of you in this room, Clint. Don't tell him uh, that. Guys, I haven't I'm excited. I'm you know,
1: the decider, is, and I decide what is best.
5: I decide uh, that, who taps that, that, me. Thank you. That's your
0: friend Robin Clint who said that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I said Clint for this episode. She'll tap um, me later. Yep. Yeah. So, you know how this works, uh, Purple Army? We are a, a group that is run by fans for fans. So, if you know that you have something to talk about in regards to come 2010 or Art of Official Age, we welcome your commentary in this episode um, or future episodes cuz robin and i are, are putting together an arsenal of ideas and we see we see our friends and our family here um, that we're continuously talking to to keep this keep this momentum going and we can't do it without you cuz this is for you um, and as robin's shared earlier there are a bunch of us who just really care about this topic and we love to keep it going. Um, And I'm committed for as long as I am here on this earth, that the legacy of Prince Rogers Nelson will continue because I am grateful to have grown up in a time where he was around. So I cannot thank you enough for being here with us this evening. Robin, any final words?
1: Yes. And also our DJ for the next show is going to be like Carlita Lopez, who has recently um, evolved from being a photographer to also being a DJ, and she's gonna be our special guest DJ next uh episode. Uh, she goes by the name
0: DJ Ultraviolet, yes, 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 yes. And shout out to our DJ Raspberry hey, for holding us down for these four episodes. Kat, you know, your family, you know, you you are part you you've you've infiltrated the the three the trio and uh, oh you, man and i'll be to...
6: here whether i'm djing or not don't we worry are. i wouldn't need miss you to moderate the, the
0: we need you to moderate cat you know yeah that. i'm
6: here i'm here for you no worries by the way if anybody wants to hang out for a little while or needs a little uh background music for the debate um i'm going to be playing um hits from dirty mind uh, uh dirty mind was released on october 8th 1980, which is tomorrow. So, tomorrow, tomorrow uh, is the 40th anniversary of Dirty Mind. I can spin for another half hour. So, if you'd like to hang out and just have me in the background, I'm just going to be mixing from Dirty Mind for a little while. Sounds like uh, a plan.
0: So, check us out on November 7th, Face Down, The Underrated and Underestimated. Purple Family, Purple Army. Fam, we love you. We thank you so much. Robin Schumaze, you're my favorite chicken little ever. I love you, girl. I love you too, Mori. Yeah, we keep it, we keep it going.
5: <laughs> love you. <Yeah.
0: laughs> all right, Kat, Bring us home. DJ Raspberry. Thanks all for being here.
6: Erica, you rock.